Welcome to Feeding the Flock, Season 9. And these are expositions through the book of 2 Corinthians. We're currently in chapter 12 and verse 11. Hi, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined us today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading in verse 11 of chapter 12 of the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians. Paul writes this, I have become foolish. You yourselves compelled me. Actually, I should have been commended by you. For in no respect was I inferior to the most eminent apostles, even though I am a nobody. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. For in what respect were you treated as inferior to the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not become a burden to you? Forgive me this wrong. So Paul is still making his point about uh, who he is and what he has done in his ministry, especially in vindicating his apostleship. And that, uh, that takes on a great amount of content of this book. It uh, began all the way in chapter 10 uh, of the vindication that Paul presents as an apostle of his ministry. And uh, before, in chapters earlier, we learned about Paul the minister, or you might say the pastor, but also the evangelist and church planter. We learned something about his heart. Then uh, the exhortations in uh, uh, chapter 6 uh, through 9, or at least, uh, yeah, through the end of chapter 9, uh, talks about uh, uh, Paul the father exhorting these people who had uh, he had led to the to Christ. He had led them to uh, saving faith in the Lord Jesus. He had planted this church and been instrumental in that work uh, for uh, about eighteen months. In fact, uh, the Lord Jesus appeared to him specifically to to encourage him to stick around and continue to preach there. And so. Then we find his vindication as an apostle. What gave him that authority as an apostle? And uh, how did that apostleship uh, measure up to other apostles? Well, uh, we have these these opponents that have somehow gained an insight or gained a, an inroads, uh, uh, is what I'm trying to say, into this congregation at Corinth. And they've done so by, uh, by bemeaning Paul, by gossiping about him or or belittling him and his ministry and his background and his and especially they seem to kind of pile on this idea that Paul did not charge for his ministry he didn't uh, provide a, a fee for his preaching and that was one of the things that evidently these false apostles uh, uh, took a grand amount of of uh, 
glory in, in that they compared each other and they compared Paul and said, well, he doesn't even charge anything. Well, that shows how much he's worth. His messages must be worth nothing. Uh, we come in and we uh, we won't preach unless you give us this amount of money because our messages are worth that much. Well, evidently, this is quite a rub. And uh, so Paul is still in the middle of this this whole idea of defending his own apostleship. And he does so with this, this uh, uh, kind of trepidation about uh, why he even has to do it and, and the methods he has to use in order to do it. Uh, but he talks about his own character in chapter 10. He talks about his conduct in chapters uh, chapter 11, at least the first half, to, uh, half of that chapter. The second half of that chapter, he talks about the conflicts and this uh, competition, this false competition that uh, these false apostles have raised up in the minds of at least a few and maybe even uh, uh, more than that. Um, because of the influence that they seem to start having in this congregation, and it's diminishing Paul's ability to minister there. And uh, then chapter 12, Paul begins to talk about his credentials. His credentials includes uh, uh, the things that would qualify him as an apostle, and that includes both the revelations he received as well as the signs that he portrayed to those who were wanting to see apostolic signs and wonders and miracles. And so Paul says, number one, uh, as he continues in this paragraph, the signs of the true apostle uh, happens happens to be part of what he has already portrayed in that congregation. They were already witnesses of this. Now, uh, later on, the other sign of the apostle uh, was uh, verses 14 through 18, which will come in, the, in a future episode. But in that paragraph, he talks about the unselfish love that he has for these people. He's not, he's not even asking for their love in return, except, except for the fact that he, he is jealous over them in the sense that they are being betrayed by these false apostles. They are being told lies and the gospel is being diluted and polluted and even substituted by the messages of these false apostles. And so um, he has this kind of unselfish love that uh, that is one of his signs as an apostle. We'll get to that later on. But right now, the signs of a true apostle are the things that he wants to bring up. And again, he says, I have become foolish. This is nonsense in many regards that he, that Paul even has to go this route in order to uh, to defend himself or that uh, the fact that uh, the believers at Corinth somehow have needed this uh, little excursion that Paul has taken uh, to uh, to defend his apostleship uh, and he knows even from the beginning uh, chapter 11 started with you you need to bear with this foolishness this is this is not right necessarily that I do this but I feel it's 
It is necessary because of you and because of the dangers that you have laid yourself open to because you've become susceptible to the arguments of these false leaders, these false apostles. And uh, Paul even says uh, again in chapter 11, uh, verses 16 and 17, again I say, let no one think me foolish, even if you do receive me even as foolish. So even if, if everything I'm saying sounds dumb, at least take the dumb part of what I'm saying and, and at least listen and hear me out. And that's what Paul says. He says, uh, in uh, verse uh, 21b of chapter 11, but in whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness. I am just as bold myself. Well, Paul says this is this is really out of my league to 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 uh, to do this this way and to compare my boldness to someone else's boldness. But they're the ones that brought this battle on. They're the ones that brought this attack on. I wouldn't say these things if it wasn't necessary. And in fact, chapter 12, verse 6, he says, For if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth. So Paul feels odd about having to uh, bring out some of the things that, that portray his, uh, his own apostleship, but he wants the people to know that, that even though this is odd to do this, that uh, he's not saying anything that's an exaggeration or that is blown out of proportion or that is in any way untrue. And uh, so that's what he wants them to know. The The process may be uh, foolish, but the content is not foolish. It's very truthful things. And that's what he wants them to know in chapter 6 and verse 12. So he says, I have become foolish. You yourselves compelled me. This would not have been necessary had you not brought this to me in this regard. And if you had not allowed the influence of these false apostles to be so strongly held among you that you started to just, what, dismiss me out of the picture when I'm the one who led you to Christ. I'm the one who planted the church. I'm the one who who is your apostle. If anybody else is an apostle to you, I am. I'm the only one qualified, and you know it. Why did you do this? And so that's what he's saying. Actually, I should have been commended by you, for in no respect was I inferior to the most eminent apostles, even though I am a nobody. So Paul says, uh, that uh, this thing should have been reversed, that when these guys came in and spouting off their accusations against me, you should have said to them right off the bat, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true either. Paul is this and this and this, and we've seen him, we've seen him in action, we know where his heart is, we know where his values are, we know how he has conducted himself among us, and uh, all the things you're saying are are merely uh, exaggerations and taking things out of context and and uh, 
blowing things out of proportion of things that uh, that uh, don't matter, and and yet you're making them matter. They should have been doing that themselves. That's what Paul is saying. I have I should have been commended by you, and why? Because I didn't treat you anything inferior. I wasn't inferior. Myself and my ministry to you was not inferior. There's nothing about it that was second class or second rate or half-baked. My ministry to you was 100%, and that's what Paul gave to them, 100% of his apostleship, of his leadership, of his authority, of his love, of his compassion. And he says, uh, uh, I was in no, I was not inferior to the most imminent apostles. Now, Paul isn't bragging. He's just stating a fact. I am on equal basis. Even if you had a super apostle uh, that could come in there, uh, I wasn't inferior to that. And although he says, even though I am a nobody. So Paul has this kind of odd sense of self-esteem, you might say, this, uh, this crazy thing that uh, if some people would analyze his words uh, to to uh, and take these terms out of their context, they'd see on the one hand that Paul is so self-centered and egotistical, and then it, they'd say on the other hand he has a very poor self-image about himself because he doesn't even know uh, how to measure his own worth because he says I'm a nobody. What he's talking about is in in the context of how he came into that church. He wasn't one of the original 11. He he wasn't uh, uh, even chosen by the apostles uh, like they chose Matthias uh, in Acts at the beginning. Uh, He was one who came lately, but uh, he's just as much an equal apostle and he is not about to let anyone treat him anything different than that. So we'll take a break right here for this little musical interlude and we'll be back on the other side. Welcome back to the second half of this message. We're still talking about those uh, ideas where Paul says, For in no respect was I inferior to the most eminent apostles, even though I am a nobody. I came into the, that's what he's saying. I came into the 
Corinth to the city of Corinth, you didn't know me. I didn't have any stature. I didn't have any labels. I didn't have any documentations. I just came in with my authority as an apostle, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And uh, I came in and I preached and you were convinced, not because I was powerful or my preaching was powerful, but because the gospel was powerful and you could testify to the fact that I represented Christ and that I did so with the signs of an apostle. Now, they may have uh, been taking out of context something that Paul said in the first letter when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9 and verse 23, Paul says something like this, for I am the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul knew very well, not that he was an inferior apostle, but he knew very well that his claim to apostleship was not based upon his past. In fact, his past would have disqualified him because he had persecuted the church. And, um, and he wasn't a believer at the time that Jesus walked the earth. And he became a believer long after Jesus had resurrected from the grave and had ascended to the Father and made a personal appearance to him uh, in, in his career, or at least in his adult life, much later on. And in the meantime, as a Pharisee, uh, serving the Sanhedrin, perhaps even being a voting member, we're not quite sure, but either way, he was responsible for persecuting the early Christians and supporting that persecution and rounding them up for more persecution. And so because of that, he understood that that uh, there was something about him being an apostle was just out of the ordinary kind of an event because this was the mercy of God, the grace of God in Paul's life. He said again in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane, I far, uh, more so in far more labors, uh, in uh, far more imprisonments, uh, beaten uh, times without number, often in danger of death. So Paul had experienced persecution himself. And uh, so he deserves to be on the platform, so to speak. And uh, and that's what he just got through talking about in chapter 11 and, and the first part of chapter 12, how he is not inferior to the rest of the apostles, no matter how much these other people may have taken what he had said earlier out of its own context and blown it out of proportion and make it say something that it did not say. Paul is not disqualifying himself from apostleship at all. In fact, he doesn't uh, see him uh, himself or his apostleship as being second rate at all. And so he says, uh, even though I am a nobody, he says, verse 12, the signs of a true apostle uh, were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. So Paul's own work in the congregation at Philip, that is at uh, Corinth, excuse me, uh, wasn't inferior. In fact, it, it was of a, of a superior quality, you might say, because of the signs and wonders. 
He says in Romans chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, um, to that congregation, for I, I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem around about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. This was a part of his ministry, was validating his office as an apostle, as one sent out by Christ himself, validating it by these signs and wonders, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't, didn't do it by magic. He didn't do it by his holiness. He didn't do it by, by conjuring up himself to have some sort of uh, 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 hocus pocus. He did it because uh, Christ worked it in him. It was Christ in him. It was the Holy Spirit in him that did these marvelous works. And uh, so that's who he credits. He doesn't credit himself and he doesn't boast about himself. Uh, Acts chapter 14 at our Iconium. It says that uh, granting that signs and wonders be done by their hands, that was both Paul and Barnabas. And uh, um, among the Gentiles, he, the report was given in Acts chapter 15, verse 12, all the people kept silent and they were listening to Paul and Barnabas as they were relating what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. In Acts chapter 19, we, we find this record of Paul's ministry in Ephesus. God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Uh, also in a pattern, at least in uh, all of Paul's journeys, uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 19, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and around about, as far as Illyricum, uh, I have preached, uh, fully preached the gospel of Christ. And here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Verse 12, the signs of the apostle has been shown in me, signs and wonders and miracles. Uh, there are specific miracles that are recorded that Paul himself performed, not just the general idea that he did these things in lots of places, evidently. And, uh, and uh, yet there are specific ones uh, at Philippi that uh, he delivered a young woman from a demon demonic uh, influence, from, a, from an evil spirit, and it came out of her. Uh, in, in, and the viper body, the snake bite on the island of Malta. He, he shook it off uh, back into the fire and it burned and he shook the creature off and, and he himself suffered no harm. There was no swelling. There was no redness. There was no uh, consequence of, of being bitten by a poisonous viper. Uh, and it says later on, it says, they changed their minds and began to say th uh, good things about Paul. In fact, they, they thought he might have been a god, and yet he wasn't a god at all. It was just the fact that this particular miracle left an impact. In fact, later on, he did other healings on the island of Malta. Uh, 
curing uh, uh, Publius, was lying in bed, afflicted with recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in and he prayed for him and he healed him. And uh, he healed and cured many other diseases on the island of Malta. So we have at least uh, three different occasions where something miraculous happened within Paul. And those specific things gave an audience to Paul that perhaps he didn't have otherwise. And it gave an authority to what he had to say by the very uh, idea that Paul uh, Paul was working signs and wonders, and these signs and wonders signified. That's what they intended to be. They were signs for something, not just for a miracle-working God, but to validate his office as an apostle. And so we have those three occasions. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he, he talked about the fact that I speak in tongues more than you all. And uh, and uh, so then tongues are for a sign. And so th- it's to signify something. It's not just uh, to signify miracle or that the Holy Spirit is here. It's to signify that he was an apostle. That's what Hebrews uh, talks about, is that the signs were, were something that were to validate the apostles' ministries. And Paul was just as much an apostle as anybody else because he, uh, he performed the same kinds of things. Now, he says, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance. It didn't come easy. It wasn't just a show. It wasn't a sideshow. It wasn't, wasn't just a performance that was, that brought out the crowd. It was done in perseverance. That means these things were done almost in spite of the atmosphere around in the city. This was perseverance. And yet, and yet, uh, Christ, the, the Holy Spirit in Paul, did these things in order to validate who he was and why he was there. And verse 13, he says, For in uh, what respect were you treated inferior to the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not become a burden to you? Forgive me this wrong. So, Paul, what's interesting is he talks about validating his apostleship by the signs and wonders and miracles. But what's interesting is in in this paragraph, when he has the opportunity to actually list some of them out, he doesn't do that. That's fascinating to me. He doesn't say, well, so-and-so, remember I healed you of a fever, and so-and-so, you... you, uh, uh, you had uh, uh, this going on, and I healed you. And remember when I performed this miracle uh, here and this other miracle over here? And uh, he didn't itemize these things. Why didn't he? Because this was foolishness. Because they knew what he had done. And he didn't want to exasperate this whole thing by going into details. He just lays it out in general terms because they knew the specifics. And he didn't have to do the general, that is, this, the uh, particular details because they would have known the particular details. And that is 
interesting to me. He says, verse 13, for in what respect were you treated as inferior to the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not become a burden to you? Forgive me this wrong. And there's that little sarcastic tongue in his cheek right there. He says, if I wronged you at all, if I treated you any differently, it was because I presented the gospel to you with no charge. It was free what I did with you. And uh, if you want to hold that against me, well, please forgive me for that. I did something in your congregation. I did that was completely different than the rest of the apostles. And that is, I didn't charge you anything. I didn't take up a collection for me and my ministry. I came and did all these things for you because it was you I was interested in. And that's exactly what leads us to this next paragraph that comes in the next episode. And uh, we look forward to being with you again for that. Father, I thank you so much that you did in Paul and in his ministry the things that validated him and his person and his stature as an equal apostle to all the others. Dear Father, I pray that as we read his words, we understand his own humility, not his boastfulness or his pride. We understand he comes in humbly telling and reminding these dear believers exactly what they themselves knew about him. And thank you that he did so with a great amount of grace, a great amount of humility, a great amount of truthfulness to bring the light to bear upon their hearts. And thank you as it does so for us as well to put Paul in that position so that we can honor his words as being your words. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock. <laughs>